Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm Jonathan. Like Katie said, I work with the, with the college ministry up at Western. And um, I'm excited to share with you from the book of Acts today. We are almost all the way through the book of Acts. Um, and, and we've been in this series called Praxis. And my favorite part of um, this series has been, I've been, I've been reading Acts for as longer than I can remember. Um, I grew up going to church and... Um, and yet, even uh, in reading it this, you know, over these past few months as we've been going through it as a, as a church, um, there's all kinds of little details in the stories that I've never noticed before, and I've just really enjoyed that part. How many of you would say you are a details person, like you really enjoy details? Well, there's more in second service than there are in first. Um, that's interesting. Um, and I am t- I'm definitely, definitely a details person. I notice... I love noticing little things that no one else notices, um, so you'll see that today in the sermon. I, um, I, for example, memorize people's license plates, um, kind of just accidentally, but um, my, my grandma and I used to play a game where, uh, you know, you try to make a word out of the three letters on license plates and try to find the most interesting word you can make with, the, with those letters in that order, so for several years, our car was VSM, and so I, we would always say vasectomy um, is the most interesting word you can think of with those letters all in a row. And we, we actually, like, we sold that car to someone in Bellingham, and they actually lived around here, and so we would often see it driving around around Hillcrest, and I'd say to Liz, vasectomy car, which is real weird if there's someone in the back who doesn't know what you're talking about, apparently. Um, but details, I love details. I love looking at, like, little overlooked things, and um, I've loved this series because um, so often we've drawn out some of the little ordinary sentences throughout the book of Acts that you might not have noticed before, but were put there on purpose and have something to teach us about the Lord. So, um, yeah, so last week, um, Tim was asking us the question um, from the book of Acts, can God carry his mission forward in spite of all obstacles? In the face of all kinds of obstacles, can God carry his mission forward? And the answer has been throughout the book of Acts, yes, God can carry his mission forward in the face of all kinds of obstacles. And, um, and this morning, what I want to do is look at that last chapter of Acts, the first half of it, and um, ask the question, but how? How does God do that? How does God carry his mission forward in the face of all kinds of obstacles? And we'll find the answer in the details. And I found it to be a bit of an unexpected answer myself, so I, I've enjoyed that. So um, to, pick you, to catch you up from last week, if you, if you weren't here or if you've forgotten, um, we left Paul uh, and his friends, including Luke, the author of Acts, we left them in the Mediterranean Sea. Their ship has just broken to pieces, and they're all drifting ashore onto an island. There's um, 276, details, uh, people on the ship who are floating ashore onto an island. Paul himself is a prisoner on his way to Rome, um, uh, and he's going to, to make his case before the most the powerful people in Rome um, for uh, why for why he believes in Jesus, and that's why he's a prisoner. Um, so they've all just crashed into the sea. There's prisoners and guards and soldiers and sailors, kind of a crazy group, 276 people, and that's where we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 28. So um, if you have your Bibles, you can open there if you want to follow along, or it'll be on the screen also. And so let's read. The, the end of this part of the story together. So Acts 28, starting verse 1. says, Once safely on shore, good news, they made it, um, we found out that the island was called Malta, and the islanders showed us unusual kindness. 
They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire, as anyone would in that situation, and suffered no ill effects. So the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. Um, If you are ever unsure, side note, how to pronounce a name in the Bible, um, here's what I found. If you just say it confidently and without hesitation, nobody knows. They all think you've done scholarly research and that you know how how to pronounce it. So... As your tip for the day. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twins' gods, Castor and Pollux, which I think is basically like the license plate of a ship, so Luke and I have a lot in common in the things that we notice. Um, he, he, we put in at Syracuse and stayed there for three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. So this, this story is, has like a lot of spectacular things that kind of jump out to us when we read the passage. And um, yes, the, the kind of the headlines of the, of the story I want to point out to us. Um, so the first one I find is in verse 5 when it says, Paul shook the snake off into the fire, suffered no ill effects. I love, I, Paul has this incredible ability to remain calm in any situation. Like we saw it last week, the ship is falling to pieces, and he's saying, don't worry, nobody's going to die. And today, oh, the, yeah, just shake a snake off in the fire. Um, but really, this is crazy. Like, this is a, a, an incredible demonstration of God's protection and his power over Paul. And um, it, it had a big effect on the people around them when they saw that. Um, so that's like one of those spectacular things that's happening in the stories and the fireworks. Um, the next one's in verse 9, when it says pretty simply, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Um, this is also kind of an understatement. This was like a massive healing event. If that happened here, we'd be pretty excitedly talking about this for a long time. Like, uh, they're, they're spending the winter, by the way, and, and in the midst of it, everyone on the island who's sick, God is supernaturally healing their sicknesses. That, that's pretty amazing, too. And then the third one is, is the very last sentence in, in this section. Verse 14 says, And so we came to Rome. And the reason that's such a huge deal and such a, such a spectacular thing is, I mean, it's been incre- quite a journey for Paul to get there. And, and even in the midst of, of his travels, God has spoken to him and promised him, you will testify about me before the most powerful people in your world in Rome. Um, this was like the center of power in, in, the, in Paul's world. And so this is an incredible opportunity for him. It's what he's dreamed of for a long time, to be able to be there. So there's this... Miraculous protection from the snake. There's this healing of, of an entire island of sickness. And there's this chance to witness about Jesus in the, in the centers of power in their world. 
And these are like the kinds of stories, I know this because uh, all of us on staff with the campus ministry, we all write newsletters because we raise support. And so these are the things missionaries write about in their newsletters, okay? This, this is what you want to read about from missionary stories. It seems like at first glance when we read it, this is the answer to the question. How does God carry his mission forward? He does it in, in like spectacular, upfront, powerful ways, head, headline stories. Um, but... When I, when I was reading uh, this chapter, I noticed, um, in, in looking at the details, that there was a common thread behind all of these like headline stories. There was something that was happening in each of the stories that made that powerful thing possible. And it was the same thing in every situation. And so, um, and, and it's important as we look at these to remember that there were 276 people on this ship, okay? 276. So with that in mind, there, were, there are three verses that stuck out to me when I started to look at the details. Before that miraculous protection from the snake bite came this ordinary phrase. Um, the islanders, verse 2, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And then before that supernatural healing of everybody's sickness came this ordinary verse. Um, Publius, the chief official of the island, had, there was an estate nearby that belonged to him. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. And then before the powerful testimony, before the, the center of power in their world, there was this ordinary sentence. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. The miraculous protection on the beach and the supernatural healing on the island and the, the speaking before the powers of Rome, all of that was, uh, was able to happen because somebody offered hospitality to Paul and to his companions. Um, without the islanders on the beach, without Publius and his estate, without the brothers and sisters in Puteoli, um, none of that ministry happened. And it's not even just Christians showing hospitality. It's just God seems to say, whoever I can use, I would, I'm going to use hospitality for my purposes to accomplish what I want to accomplish in the world. Um, and when I say hospitality, you might think that I mean like elaborate meals and a house that you post your photos of your house online because it's so amazing um, and you give people gifts to take home afterward um, and it's really fancy and a lot of hard work. But let me tell you what I actually mean by hospitality by way of an example, okay? Okay. Um, when I read this story, just kind of in general in my life, I like to think, man, the Apostle Paul and I, we have a lot in common. We're pretty much the same kind of person. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to laugh about that. That's not true. Um, but in this story, we do have one thing in common, okay? It's not the snake bite, and it's not the healing of the crowds, and it's not speaking before the most powerful people in the world. It's not even the shipwreck. But, but uh, the details of verse 2 resonated with me. Um, where it said, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. And the reason that stuck out to me um, in, in reading, I studied linguistics at, at Western, that was my degree, and so this was interesting to me. The, the word islanders, the, the Greek word is actually what we would call barbarians, that's the same word. Um, and that, the reason they didn't choose that for the translation is because for us it has a real negative connotation, and it didn't for them necessarily. Um, it just meant, actually, the word came from the idea that they speak a different language that you can't understand. It sounds like bar, 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 bar. Barbarian, that's where it came from. Fascinating, huh? Right? So that stood out to me because 
I've been in a place, and some of you have heard these stories, but I've been in a place where uh, people, everyone spoke a different language that I couldn't understand very well, um, but I was also shown unusual kindness in that place. So um, a few years ago, Liz and I, my wife and I, went to the country of Jordan. We were visiting uh, our friends who are missionaries there, and um, we had this really fun experience. We would walk on the streets in the capital of Jordan, and um, obviously not Jordanian, and so people would say, oh, look, they're foreigners. Um, and so they would, they would um, run up to us, like from across the street or wherever, and just grab my hand, and they would say, welcome, Jordan, welcome, Jordan. It was like all the English they knew. Uh, but they were so happy to see us and just wanted to make us feel welcome. We were, I remember driving on the, I wasn't driving, but we were on the freeway, probably going 130 miles an hour or something, and um, people in the cars next to us rolling down their windows frantically and leaning out and yelling, welcome, Jordan, welcome, Jordan. It was awesome. I highly recommend it if you ever have that chance. It is so fun. I've never felt so treasured in my life. Um, And then also, I mean, that was very fun, but the best part really was um, we went to um, the West Bank and and we stayed in a Palestinian refugee camp for a week and we stayed with a family And I have a picture of them, actually, on the slides. Um, And you may notice in this picture that we look kind of tired. um, And that's because it is our last night in the refugee camp. It's 2 in the morning. And we've we've come home from visiting all these different families in the camp. And Randa, the mom uh, of the family, decided that we had to have one more meal before we left, which was going to be in like four hours that we were leaving. Um, but she said, there's this meal that I haven't made for you. That's, I really enjoy it, and I want you to have it. Hospitality was so important for her. It made for quite a memory. Um, but we, we were welcomed with unusual kindness, I think. And so when I say hospitality, um, I'm talking about making time and space in our lives to be welcoming to other people. I'm not saying anything fancy. I'm saying it's about offering what we have to people. For most people on the streets of Jordan, what they had to offer us was a really warm smile and a, a handshake and a welcome, sometimes an invitation to their upcoming wedding. Um, really, <laughs> been invited to a lot of weddings. Um, for, for Randa in the refugee camp, she gave what she had. She doesn't have a lot to offer, but she wanted to make sure we had like the full Palestinian experience with all the joy that comes of that at two in the morning. Um, for, for the islanders on the beach, they saw 276 shipwreck people, and they said, we need to build a fire. These people are freezing. Um, for, for Publius in the story, he had an estate, and so he said, I can offer you a place to stay for a few days. For, um, for the brothers and sisters in Puteoli, they knew that you're almost at Rome. You're almost at the place where God has called you to be. We can give you a week of encouragement and support and, and build you up before you go. That's what we can give you. Um, God uses hospitality to accomplish his purposes. That's what I think we, I would want us to remember this morning. Um, even, I was thinking, um, both in the ways that we've received it and given it in our lives, he uses it to accomplish his purposes. Um, at every, so our friends who are missionaries in Jordan um, are very, very welcoming people. They have a powerful ministry. Like they, they, They've moved now to they're on the border with Syria, um, they, they actually keep people alive. That's what they do. Um, and they also, they, they share about Jesus. People are coming to know Jesus like crazy. They're constantly having baptisms in their bathtub, in their house. And, um, but, and, and as welcoming as they are, what people might not notice or know about missionaries is that every missionary, like every missionary on our wall that's in another country, somebody had to welcome them there. 
or they, they couldn't have done anything. Like, they had to be welcomed. God used somebody's hospitality. In, in the case of our friends, it was, you know, lots and lots of Jordanian and Palestinian people have made them feel welcome in their country. And every missionary depends on someone to welcome them. Someone has to do that. Hospitality is really, really powerful. And I think one of the reasons that this stands out to me, too, is because of how much hospitality we've received. Um, I, th- I think about not only, like, overseas, but even here in Bellingham. I think um, one of the, it's one of the great strengths of our church community is, is welcoming hospitality. And I thought, especially about um, how joyful parenting has been for us. Uh, we, so we have a 17-month-old daughter, Lucy, and we were really able to embrace that experience of parenting uh, with a lot more confidence and joy uh, because so many of you in this room have invited us into your homes and we've seen the way that you like interact with your kids and love your kids and get frustrated with your kids but still love your kids. And um, we, we saw real life lived out in a lot of different families and that has been a real gift to us as parents. Like, you've made parenting a lot less daunting and a lot more fun than it otherwise would have been. So thank you for that. I think that's a, a gift of hospitality that's been given to us. And, and because we've received so much hospitality um, from God's people uh, here and around the world, we've really decided that's going to be like one of our core values as a family. That's what we're going to teach Lucy to be, that she's going to be a welcoming person, that, that God wants to use our hospitality for his purposes. Um, so that leads us, uh, our, our main role on our staff at, at the campus ministry is to, um, is to reach international students. And so we have really committed to having a lot of international students in our home on a consistent basis. And it has enriched our lives so much that there are these moments we'll have dinner and then we'll sit around in the living room and we'll have tea and we'll laugh and we'll talk. And um, there's like, our hearts are never so full as they are in those moments. And it's a gift that God gives us as we give hospitality, too. And sometimes students are meeting Jesus for the first time in those moments. Often they already know him, and we're just encouraging them. And, and I know that, that God uses that for, for his purposes in their lives. Um, there's also, I found, for some reason, we find that like a really easy area to be hospitable. And it's just a, a gift God's given us to be able to do that. Um, but there are harder places, and even as, as Liz and I read this chapter and talked about this, uh, we found the Lord saying, I want to press you into like, areas that are more difficult for you to be hospitable. So we talked about, like, um, so we took a childbirth class before Lucy was born, and there were, I learned a lot of important things like don't make jokes while your wife's in labor just to lighten the mood. <laughs> Apparently not funny. Um, that probably saved my life because that's like my natural reaction in stressful situations and make a joke and lighten the mood, so... Ooh, thanks, thanks for that class. Um, anyway, so there were seven other couples in that class, and um, it's cool because we all have this common experience of we all had our first child within a couple months of each other, and um, really felt like the Lord has been saying to us this week as we talked about the, these, these things and read this chapter, that's a place where I want you to offer what you have to those people and invite them into your life because we've all kept in touch since the class, and um, that's like a little more scary for us. We talk about what are we going to talk about? Is going to be awkward? It's just not something we've done very much with, the, with that group of people. And um, so that's something that, that we feel like, okay, we want to sit under the, the word of God here too and find, so we're, we're actively looking for ways this week to start seeing how we could welcome them into our lives a bit more. And there may be people like that in your life that are coming to mind too. Because we know, we know, we know, we know 
after years of experiencing it, that God uses hospitality for his purposes. Sometimes it's hosting someone who's traveling through for a night. Uh, Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it's a meal. Um, But hospitality makes a really powerful difference um, in people's lives. And so as you read this story, um, and as you think about this idea of hospitality, I wonder where you see yourself, who, who you would be in this story. As I read it, I was impressed consistently as I thought about the different characters. I thought, I see all of these people when I look out on a Sunday morning. I see all of these people. Um, I thought about the islanders um, who didn't have a lot to offer. They're just building fires on the beach because they see people who are in pretty desperate need. And I thought, there are all kinds of people in our church who build fires on a beach when it's cold and raining. I'm speaking metaphorically. Um, in case you, you're like, I never do that. Um, but th- th- it says they, were, they showed them unusual kindness, right? I thought, there are a lot of people of unusual kindness that I know in our church. You, um, you're doing the holiday baskets for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I just think, I thought, maybe the Lord, all he wanted to tell some of you this morning is, that is so important that you're doing that. And maybe you're thinking, ah, oh, why am I doing this? It's a lot of work, and I don't know why I do this every year. But maybe the Lord just wanted to remind you how important that is, that he wants to use it for his purposes. It could be as simple as that. Um, I know there are some of you that I know personally that you have made it kind of your goal on Sunday morning to make sure that people who might come in alone or sit alone and don't know anybody actually get invited to lunch afterward. Um, I thought, that's, the kind, that's like unusual kindness. Some of you have friends that are lonely and you're inviting them to come watch the Seahawks tonight. Those kinds of things. Um, I thought about, um, I, I, I've, so Shelly Niebel has this team of cooks, right, that, that cooks meals for international students at Western and Whatcom on Fridays. And um, Shelly was telling me a couple weeks ago about how some of you have like joined that team of cooks and you're brand new and you were nervous about it, um, cooking for a crowd, but you did it anyway. And that, I was like, that's the kind of people that I'm thinking of that, that I see, I get to see like hands-on how that makes a difference, how God uses that to accomplish his purposes. Liz was sitting down last week with an international student on Friday night and, was, and the girl was saying, I, this is the first place I've ever met a friend in the U.S. I can't believe that, that it's taken me so long, but just coming here and having this meal with you guys and it's the first friend I have in America. I thought, how many international students feel like their lives are a little bit shipwrecked when they come here and everyone's saying bar, 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 and they can't understand anybody. That's what your meals accomplish, is that kind of thing. Shelly also said you could, she could use one or two more cooks, so there's room for you. Um, but I thought, there are so many uh, people like that in our congregation, and I just feel like the Lord wants to affirm and encourage you that what you do is really important. Um, I thought about Publius, with his estate, he was obviously wealthy on the island and had some power, and I thought, there are people like that in our church. There are people here this morning who are wealthy, and God has, has given you the ability to not buy into what our culture says you should do with your wealth and just use it all on yourself and not think about others, but you generously share what God has blessed you with, and you don't see it as, as yours to hold on to, but as God's to give away. And I thought, there are people like that, I know, who host people in their homes and provide meals and, and have opened your life um, and not isolated yourself from people who are different from you. Um, and I just thought, wow, the Lord this morning, I think, wants to remind you that, that, that those choices are worth it, uh, even if there's other voices in your life that tell you that it, that's not what you should do with your wealth, um, that, that God really honors those choices. 
I thought about, um, this one was, because, I, again, because I'm in the campus ministry, this one came to my mind, uh, because it, the, the brothers and sisters in Puteoli hosted Paul and his companions for a week, and I thought, that's exactly like what we do in the spring with the Sikkim Conference. We have, I know many, many, many of you host students that come from around the country, and we train them to be missionaries their campuses in a week, so it's like the same amount of time. And maybe you're, when you're doing that, you're hosting the next Paul, the next person who's going to like speak before the most powerful people on earth. That's the potential that university students have. I thought, that is exactly the kind of people we have at Hillcrest. I love that. Your hospitality really matters when you do that. It really, really matters. So I, I, I look around this morning, I look at a lot of your individual faces, and I think there are a lot of hospitable people here. And I, part of what I think the Lord wanted to say this morning is, to keep doing that, that it actually matters. Um, no matter what other people might tell you, whatever doubts you might have, God wants to remind you how much it matters. And I know there are many of you who are doing this behind the scenes, and I obviously have no idea that you're doing that. And again, I think the Lord just wants to, to it's appropriate to honor and thank you for doing that. And I bet there's people here, too, who you say, yeah, that's the kind of person I want to be. I don't know if I'm there yet, but that's the kind of person I want to be. And I thought maybe in, in this story and seeing the power of hospitality behind the scenes and how it made God's work possible, maybe the Lord this morning is just saying to you, just uh, open your home one time this month and see, see what I can do with that. Uh, maybe God wants to show you a way to do that. Maybe even there is someone in this room right now that needs to be invited over for a meal that you could invite them over. Maybe you could step out and do that. Maybe there's, I mean, there could be many, many ways that God is calling you, and, and you might know that that's tugging on your heart right now. Um, I, I believe that there is potential for God to work powerfully in, in that thing that he's calling you to open your home and open to your, your life to somebody. In very simple, very behind-the-scenes ways, not elaborate and fancy, but just a simple way that God actually can accomplish miracles and do powerful things when we become hospitable people. So if the worship team wants to come back up, um, I want to invite you as we're responding uh, to, to dream a little bit. I think, um, I think the Lord this morning would, would, would want us to think about what could God do with what you have to offer in hospitality, whether, whether it's small or big, whatever you have to give to him. Um, I think there's a lot of potential, and I want you to think about the potential. What could God do with that? How might he want to use your hospitality to accomplish his purposes? Um, so much of what we've seen throughout the book of Acts, it's actually really fun to go back and read the whole book and see how often this kind of thing was happening behind the scenes. Um, maybe, maybe those Acts kind of stories would be the result as we become God's hospitable people. What might God do with, with our offerings and what we, might, what, we can, what we can give to others? I would really like to find that out. So uh, let's pray together as we respond. Father, I thank you that... Um, that you gave us these stories and that, that Luke wrote them down uh, so that we could be reminded of even simple things like this behind the scenes that are not flashy and not always noticed and yet um, that you are redeeming the world through small acts of hospitality. I pray, Lord, that if there are things that you're calling us to, that you would just make that clear to us in this, in, in this time of response. Um, if there are places that you just want us to celebrate what we've received and be thankful for the hospitality that's been given to us. I just pray you'd fill our hearts with joy as we think about that. Um, so thank you, God, for even for your welcome of us, for being the most hospitable God. 
there ever could have been. We're so thankful for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.